Most American men are living a pretty safe and comfortable lifestyle. They're addicted to their temperature-controlled, overfed, sheltered, safety-netted lives. They don't like to be pushed outside of their comfort zones. But what if that's a big contributing factor to what's freaking wrong with us? What if that comfortable lifestyle that we work so hard to attain and protect is the very thing that's contributing to problems like obesity, heart disease, cancers, diabetes, depression, anxiety, and even that overall feeling of a lack of meaning and purpose in life? What if we are actually at our best physically, mentally, and spiritually when we intentionally and routinely make ourselves engage in doing uncomfortable things. I've been reading an interesting book that's challenging me to get out of my comfort zone more and more. The name of the book is The Comfort Crisis, and it's written by author Michael Easter. This book has really, dude, has got me thinking through some uncomfortable changes that I need to make in my life that's going to help me be a better man. And I know it's going to do the same for you. So on this episode, I'm going to share with you guys some of what I'm learning from The Comfort Crisis by Michael Easter. So here we go. You're listening to the Grizz Podcast, where our mission is to help boys become men and to help men become better men. It's going to be raw, it's going to be real, and it's going to be relevant. Now, here's your host, Jason George. I'm your huckleberry. Yo, yo, what's going down? All my brothers from other mothers. All of my brothers from other mothers. Thanks for tuning in to the Grizz Podcast. Today is Tuesday, August 23rd, 2022. I'm here in the Grizz Cave, hot cup of coffee, my dog Remy at my feet. As usual, man, hope you guys are doing well. Sincerely, I mean that. Hope you are. And if you're not, man, I hope that this episode just helps you, motivates you, encourages you. You know what I mean? Like challenges you, lifts you up. Anyway, what's going down? Number one, our online accountability support groups for Christian men who are struggling with porn or other unwanted sexual behaviors launches this up coming Monday, August 29th. Of course, I'm talking about CLIMB teams. They are here, baby. Starts this upcoming Monday. Then I'm excited about that. It's going to be so good to see some men working together to overcome the sin in their life that is holding them back from reaching the summit of their full potential in Christ. There's going to be some healing going down, going to be some growth going down, some transformation. This first climb team we are launching will be meeting every Monday night at 9 p.m. Eastern time. If you're interested in learning more about that and possibly joining us, go to our website, narrowtrail.com, and click on the page Climb Teams, or you can always email us at info at narrowtrail.com, info at narrowtrail.com. If you're interested in becoming a sponsor to help a brother be part of a climb team, let us know that too. We had someone contact us yesterday about that and said, man, I want to give $20 per month to climb teams just to help a brother financially who can't afford the full, full, full $40 per month. And man, that just really encouraged me that one of you guys would do that. That's what it's all about. Getting each other's back. I got your six, man. What else is going down? Do you have all of your devices protected with Covenant Eyes? Internet accountability. If you don't, you should, my brothers. 
As you well know, there's a whole lot of tempting junk out there that wants to pull you down the evil rabbit hole of addiction. One of the best tools you can have on your tool belt is covenant eyes. I don't understand why so many of you guys still don't have covenant eyes. I have it on my personal computer and on my iPhone. All of my internet activity is being monitored. And if I go anywhere that even remotely looks questionable, it alerts my accountability partners. For me, it's a great motivator to not go edging where I shouldn't, where my flesh wants to go, but my spirit is like, nah, you know better. It's a great way to prevent disaster. So go to CovenantEyes.com to sign up for that. And at checkout, use the promo code GRIZZIN. G-R-I-Z-Z-I-N. Grizzin. To get the first month free just to try it out. There are a lot of great videos and articles at their website to help you set everything up. Or you can just call them on the phone and actually talk to a real live person who can help you with whatever you need pertaining to Covenant Eyes. Dads, I highly recommend you get Covenant Eyes on your kids' devices as well, so that you are aware of everything they're doing online. You need to know that so that potentially you could catch things early so they don't develop into something that could be really harmful that they're going to battle the rest of their lives. Again, go to CovenantEyes.com, CovenantEyes.com to sign up for that and at checkout, use the promo code... Grizzin, G-R-I-Z-Z-I-N, to get the first month free just to try it out. Don't let porn ruin your life. Don't let it ruin your inner peace, your inner joy, your confidence, your marriage, your family, your ministry. Get Covenant Eyes to help you prevent all of that. So anyway, as I said at the beginning of this episode, most American men are living a pretty safe and comfortable lifestyle, including myself. They're addicted to their temperature-controlled, overfed, sheltered, safety-netted lives. They don't like to be pushed outside of their comfort zones. But what if that's a big contributing factor to what's wrong with us? What if that comfortable lifestyle that we work so hard to attain and protect is the very thing that's contributing to problems like obesity, heart disease, cancers, diabetes, depression, anxiety, and even that overall feeling of a lack of meaning and purpose in life? What if we are actually at our best physically, mentally, spiritually, when we intentionally and routinely make ourselves engage in doing uncomfortable things? What if? I've been reading an interesting book that's really challenging me to get out of my comfort zone more and more. The name of the book is The Comfort Crisis. It's written by Michael Easter. This book really has me thinking through some uncomfortable changes that I need to make in my life that will help me improve and just make me into a better man, a better example for my wife, for my kids, for my friends, and that help me just make a, make an impact with the time that I have left here on the planet. Carpe diem. Anybody remember? You know what I'm saying? Dude. I've already started making some of those uncomfortable changes. Anyway, Michael Easter, the author, is not a Christian, even though his last name is Easter. And this is not a Christian book. But there's still a lot of great takeaways from this book that can help us in our sacred journey of following Christ up the narrow trail that leads to life, real life. You hear what I'm saying? It's not a Christian book, but guess what? There's still a lot of great takeaways that can still help us. Man, by the way, with your reading, with your reading, my brothers, you have to learn to pick the flowers and leave the weeds. I'll read a book that's written by an atheist. I'll read a book that's written by a 
a, a, a Muslim. You got to learn to pick the flowers, leave the weeds. I don't have to agree with everything. So what? So what? They said that. They believe that. Oh, but that's not what we believe. We don't line up with that. Pick the flowers, leave the weeds. So the author, Michael Easter, was living a comfortable life that was essentially spiraling downward. It was killing him. You say, wait a second, that doesn't make sense. You say he was living a comfortable life. (laughs) It was killing him. He says that alcohol was his comfort blanket. Nearly everything in his life deferred to alcohol. He used it to kill the stress around his job, to alleviate boredom, and to avoid any uncomfortable insecurities, situations, thoughts, and emotions that are just part of being human. Then, one hungover day, after a drinking binge, of course, he had a wake-up call. He realized that comfort from alcohol was not only numbing him to the life he wanted, but it was also killing him. Let me say that again. He realized that comfort from alcohol was not only numbing him to the life he wanted, but it was also killing him. He saw a choice before his eyes. Option number one, do nothing. Do absolutely nothing. And we all know what happens when we do absolutely nothing, right? You keep getting the same thing you've been getting. Oh, I want to change, but you do nothing. You just keep doing the same thing you've been doing. It's the definition of insanity, right? Option one, do nothing. Cling to complacency and the numbing lifestyle that would ultimately end badly, but allow him to keep drinking. Or he saw option number two, get uncomfortable. Completely ditch his liquid comfort blanket. He was terrified of where this second route might take him. But he says he raised the white flag, and that is when he says the discomfort began. Some of you listening know all about that kind of discomfort, of leaving alcoholism. It's tough. He says the acute physical hell of drying out lasted for days. There were headaches, nausea, exhaustion, the shakes, the sweats, and other internal hells. He said his lungs began kicking up some sort of carcinogenic cocktail because he had a habit of chasing down all his drinks with Marlboros. (laughs) Then the physical withdrawal stuff eventually faded below the line of perception, but then the even bigger challenge of sobriety started. He said he existed in a high-grade state of mania and bounced from joy that he was alive to depression, to terrifying question after question about his new way of life. How do I not drink? What do I do on weekends? What should I say if I'm at a social event and someone asks me if I want to drink? How will I reconnect with my old friends at college reunions and weddings? You see, essentially, he didn't know who he was anymore or how to live without alcohol, without his comfort blanket. It's an uncomfortable place to be, but it's a good place to be. Day by day, he embraced what he says is the raw discomfort of hard change. And soon, the world opened up. He became aware of the beauty of being alive. And he says he better understood his role. Before sobriety, he said everything seemed to indicate that he was the absolute center of the universe. Sounds familiar, right? I talked about that in the recent Death to Selfie episodes. It's not about you. You're not the center of the universe. You've got to wake up to that. So he said he began to realize 
He was not the absolute center of the universe. When he dried out, he says he realized that he's just not that damn important in the grand scheme of things. He said that was a deeply unnerving recognition. But once he started to act on it, admitting that he doesn't know things and that he could use some help, he gained some peace and perspective. He could use some help. Hmm. That also sounds familiar, right? Remember the last episode? Never climb alone. I told you guys, man, one of the biggest mistakes Christian men are making is trying to climb alone. It's stupid. It's foolish. It's dangerous. You never climb alone. Anyway, so the author Michael Easter says that he realized that he wasn't the center of the universe and that he could use some help from others. And that brought him peace and perspective. What do you know? Let me grab a sip of my coffee. He says he also began connecting with people that he loved in a new and deeper way. He started to find silence, experience calm, and feel okay with himself. To get out of himself, he got a dog, and each morning he took him to a nearby river where he felt a long-forgotten peace and confidence in the 5 a.m. quiet and mist. I love that. He became less flustered by everyday problems like work drama, traffic jams, deadlines, and bills. He said he took a hard look at his everyday life and realized that he was comfortable, quite literally, every single moment, disgustingly comfortable. Does anyone relate? Just comfortable. Comfortably Numb. Comfortably numb. Anyway, the author said he awoke in a soft bed in a temperature controlled home, commuted to work in a pickup truck with all the conveniences of a luxury sedan. He killed any semblance of boredom with his smartphone. He sat in an ergonomic chair staring at a screen all day, working with his mind and not his body. When he arrived home from work, he filled his face with no effort, highly caloric foods that came from Lord knows where. Then he plopped down on his overstuffed sofa to binge on television streamed down from outer space. He said he rarely, if ever, felt the sensation of discomfort. The most physically uncomfortable thing he did, exercise, was executed inside an air-conditioned building where he watched cable news channels that were increasingly bent on confirming his worldview rather than challenging it. He also said he wouldn't run outside unless the conditions were, well, comfortable. Neither too hot, too cold, nor too wet. He began to wonder, what would cleansing himself of all these comforts do for him? What would cleansing himself of all these comforts do for him? What a great question to ask. This is how he begins his book, The Comfort Crisis. I haven't finished it yet, but I find it really thought-provoking and challenging, and I like that. I need that in my life right now at 47 years old. In many ways... He's describing a life that I've been discontent with myself in trying to abandon the comfortable life. And he's throwing out some of the same questions, some of the exact same questions that I've been also asking myself the last few years. Like why? Why are we so hell-bent on attaining and maintaining comfort. 
Is it really all it advertises to be? I'm talking about comfort. Is it really all it advertises to be? Because I'm feeling like comfort should be more of a place we visit than live in. Like we need doses of it to survive. I believe that. But too many of us are drunk with it. And like the author is saying, dude, it's killing us. I was thinking how, let me grab a sip of my coffee. I was thinking how we've been programmed, literally, to believe that comfort is the goal. That comfort is the ultimate bliss. Therefore, we as humans, what do we do? We, we do what we were programmed to do. We continually seek comfort. Again, do we need some comfort to survive? Yes, I believe we do. And I realize that God is the God of all comfort. But I don't believe we were designed to live in total comfort 24-7, 365. I believe that's extremely unhealthy for us. And there's scientific evidence that is proving that. It's contributing to problems like the author already described. Obesity, heart disease, cancers, diabetes, depression, anxiety, and just that overall feeling of just this lack of meaning and purpose in life. We're too comfortable. The truth is, my brothers, discomfort, discomfort is actually extremely beneficial to our well-being. It doesn't feel that way in the moment, in the short term, but it proves to be beneficial in the long term, physically, mentally, spiritually. The author brings up the fact that constant comfort is a radically new thing for us as humans. The modern comforts and conveniences that now most influence our daily experience, like cars, computer, television, climate control, smartphones, ultra-processed food, and more, all of those things have only been used by humans for 100 years or less. But then you look at our ancestors' lives, and dude, they were intimately connected with discomfort. Like That was just part of the day every day. Our ancestors were constantly exposed to the elements. It was either too hot, too cold, too wet, too dry, too windy, or too snowy out. And guess what they did? They freaking faced it. They dealt with it. All of it. The only escape they had from the weather was some sort of rudimentary shelter, like some cold, damp cave filled with bats or rats. Or they dug a hole in the ground and they roofed it with twigs or animal skins, right? Or they made some other kind of crude structure that provided enough shelter to keep a person alive but didn't do much else. And man, look at us now. Look at the way we live now. The author says that today, most of us live at 72 degrees, experiencing weather only during the two minutes it takes us to walk across a parking lot or from the subway station to our offices. He says Americans now spend 93% of our time indoors in climate control. And he also says, I thought this was good. There are entire cities that wouldn't exist if we had not developed air conditioning. Think of Phoenix and Las Vegas. It's so true. Nobody would go there. He also reminds us that early humans were always hungry. 
There wasn't an excess of food at the ready. For the most part, they were hunter-gatherers, and they continually experienced deep, persistent hunger, real hunger. You think you're hungry because you had breakfast at 8 a.m. and it's 11 a.m. and lunch is coming up. And you're like, I'm starving. You don't know what starving is. Our ancestors did. And the only way they could do something about that was to get uncomfortable, to get up, go outside and hunt or fish. They had no pantry or refrigerator full of food. They couldn't order DoorDash with the push of a button on their smartphones. They often had to walk miles to even get water. They also had to walk miles to hunt down an animal, kill it, cut it up, pack it out. And then they had to prepare a place to cook it and prepare another place to preserve the rest of the meat. Or they'd go digging around in the ground for something edible or trying to find trees that provided some sort of edible fruit or nuts. There was a lot of discomfort going on. It seems like a bad thing, right? Well, nobody wants to live like that. That's so uncomfortable. But was it really? Was it really bad for them? Is it really bad for us? Because there's a whole lot of problems now that we have that we sure didn't have back then. Another interesting point that the author brings up is that our ancient ancestors had to make something of their downtime, of their boredom. They had to get creative and rely upon one another for entertainment. He reminds us that Radio did not come about until the 1920s. And then TV came about around the 1950s. Then on June 29th, 2007, the author says that boredom was basically pronounced dead thanks to the iPhone. And he says, our imaginations and deep social connection also died with it. Wow. That's good. Let me grab a sip of my coffee real quick. I've been thinking about that as well. Um, That whole boredom thing. Why is boredom a bad thing? And someone may say like, well, it's uncomfortable, Jason. But as we've been learning right here, many times what is uncomfortable in the moment is what is good for us in the long term. I mean, think about that command in Scripture where God says, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. Psalm 4610. Are we ever still? Seriously, are we ever still and silent anymore? Are we ever contemplative anymore? If God were trying to speak to your heart and mind, could you even hear him? Because with smartphones and the internet, There's so much noise, audible and visual noise. We are addicted to it. And it's not good. It needs to change. Listen to where our uh, pursuit of comfort has gotten us. You ready for this? Man, this is going to sting a little bit. Listen to where our pursuit of comfort here in America has gotten us. 32% of Americans are overweight and 38% are in the obese category. That makes a collective 70% of Americans too heavy. 
nearly a third of us, one third, now have diabetes or prediabetes. More than 40 million of us have mobility problems that hinder us from getting from point A to point B. Heart disease kills a quarter of us. These are all medical issues that were essentially non-existent until the 20th century. People today are suffering more and more from diseases of despair, depression, anxiety, addiction, suicide. Overdose deaths in the last two decades are up more than threefold. And the average American is more likely to kill themselves than ever before. As a result, the U.S. life expectancy rate has been falling steadily. Many of us lack any kind of physical struggle in our lives. Like having to work hard, physically work hard for our livelihoods. And we have too many ways to numb out. Like comfort food, cigarettes, alcohol, pills, smartphones, TV, social media, video games, porn. We have too many ways to numb out. It's the truth. We are detached from the things that make us feel happy and alive, like connection with other human beings, being in the natural world, effort, physical effort and perseverance. We are detached from those things that make us feel happy and alive. The author goes on to say that comfort and conveniences are great, but they haven't always moved the ball downfield in our most important metric, happy, healthful years. Perhaps existing only in our increasingly overly comfortable, overbuilt environment and always obeying our comfort drives has had unintended consequences and caused us to miss profound human experiences. There are conditions that humans evolved to live in, he says, and experiences we were meant to have that are no longer germane to our lives. This has undoubtedly changed us, often not for the best. Again, this is coming from the book, The Comfort Crisis by Michael Easter. I'll put a link in the show notes if you want to get that book off of Amazon. I'm only about a quarter of the way through the book, but I'm really enjoying it. Let me grab another sip of my coffee here. The book has already had an impact on me. The guy has gotten in my head, (laughs) which is good. Like the other night, I was sitting in my home office. I was home alone. It was a good day, but then in the afternoon, some things went wrong. I got in a conflict with someone, a loved one, and it became a really stressful day. I was feeling angry, depressed, a ton of negative thoughts hitting even about what I'm doing here with the podcast, what I'm doing with climb teams, ton of negative thoughts. Some of them were keeping me up at night recently. So I'm sitting there home alone in my office the other night. It was dark outside. It started raining. And a total thunderstorm came in. I mean, winds were blowing, dude. Just major thunderstorm. And I was like, you know what? I need to get out of my comfort zone. 
and I need to go for a jog or a walk in this thunderstorm right now in the dark of the night. I just began thinking to myself, why not? What am I afraid of? Seriously, what's going to happen to me? I'm going to get wet. So what? I told myself, this is going to help me feel better physically, mentally, spiritually. I knew it would. So I got up. I put my shoes on. I went out in the storm in the dark of the night. I knocked out a few miles. I got in some much needed prayer time while I was out there in the storm. The thunder was booming and the lightning was bursting through the night sky. The rain was pouring down. It was beautiful. It was uncomfortable and it was beautiful. I was soaked. And at one point, I made my lungs and my body hurt for a little while intentionally. But you know what? It felt great afterwards. You guys, a lot of you, you know this. You know what that kind of hard, taxing physical exercise does chemically to you. The chemicals that are released, the endorphins, man, it felt great afterwards. I needed it. I realized that too many days of my adult life, I've been too comfortable. I didn't just visit comfort, take a pit stop. I was living there. In many ways, I'm still living there. It's no one's fault. I've done it to myself. And it's not been good for my health, mentally, physically, spiritually. Listen, my brothers. I began thinking. Jesus never called us to a comfortable life. He called us to pick up our cross and follow him. He called us to climb the narrow and difficult trail that leads to life. Matthew 7, 13 and 14. He commands us to train, to agonize ourselves, to become godly men. 1 Timothy 4, 7 through 9. He also tells us to bring our bodies into subjection, to not let our bodies master us, but for us to master our bodies. 1 Corinthians 9, 27. Look at most Christian men. Most have not mastered their bodies, including me. But I've been working at that, especially the last year. Most Christian men are comfortable, comfortably numb. As I continue to try to heal my body from Lyme disease, I am not content with the mentality that says, okay, I'm starting to feel better now. So let me go right back to my old, unhealthy lifestyle before Lyme disease. Let me just go right back to pursuing comfort. You know, I was physically fit and healthy throughout high school and most of college. Football and wrestling helped me with that. (laughs) Or you, or you didn't stay in football and wrestling, not at my school. But like a lot of you, after college came marriage, kids, full-time job, 
mortgage, bills, some health issues, etc. Now, I'm not making excuses, man. I own it. I let myself go. It was no one else's fault. I gained a total of like 65 pounds after college. My blood pressure was unhealthy. My cholesterol was unhealthy. I felt horrible. I hated what I saw in the mirror. And what did my doctor do? My doctor did not prescribe a change of lifestyle. Because that's not what he's taught to do in medical school. My doctor kept prescribing med after med after med. And when you take this med for cholesterol, come see me a little bit later because that med is going to cause this problem and you'll need a med for that. And then that'll probably need a med for the problem that's going to cause. I did it to myself. Some of you are just like, ouch. Some of you are like, dude, that's me right now. How did I do this to myself? Too much comfort. Too much comfort. Bottom line. Even the food in our pantry, our fridge, so much of it, it's about not what's healthy. Too much comfort. I'm not saying you can't visit comfort. I'm saying that I'm realizing we have to stop camping out there. (laughs) Too much comfort, bottom line. We're going to talk more about this on upcoming episodes. Dude, I'm not done with this topic, man, the comfort crisis. This is good stuff. I need it. If nobody else needs it, then I'll record this series of episodes and I'll just listen to them myself. I'm cool with that. I got to wrap it up, man, for now. Don't forget about the launch of our Monday Night Climb Team. Are you interested in joining us? I don't know, Jason. I mean, I need it, but that would be so uncomfortable. Exactly. That's exactly right. It will be uncomfortable at first. (laughs) That's what we're talking about. It's a good thing. Anything worthwhile in my life that I've accomplished or succeeded at, anything, like physically or academically or spiritually, ministry-wise, whatever, relationships, anything I've actually won at (laughs) I've lost a lot it was always uncomfortable for a season you think the first time I joined a support accountability group with a group of men that I've never met before and we met online that I was like totally comfortable with that you think that that just felt great I got like warm fuzzies and there was just this amazing inner peace and joy and Shut the uncomfortable is what you need. That's what I needed. That's still what I need. Having certain guys that in a loving way, get up in my grill, step on my toes, point the finger in my face and say, you're the man own your freaking. That's what I need. Comfort is not the benefit blessing that you think it is. Wake the freak up. Psalm 46.10. God says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. 1 Timothy 4, 7 through 9. Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives tales. Rather train Exercise, gymnazo, agonize yourself to be godly. Go through discomfort to make yourself godly. 
for physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things. It holds promise for both the present life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. 1 Corinthians 9.27, the Apostle Paul said, No, no, not me. No, 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 no. I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. I make my body my slave. I master my body. I don't let my body master me. I want to be like that. I know that that's what God's calling me to do. He's calling you to do the same thing. If you don't like this kind of talk, wrong podcast. I don't really care if you like me. The best compliment I can get is, he's raw, he's real, and he's helping me. He's pushing me to be a better man. Sometimes I can't stand him. Sometimes he's annoying. Sometimes he sounds like a freaking idiot. He's weird. I don't care. I want to see you advance. I want to see you improve. I want to see you grow. I want to see you succeed. You say, why? What the freak is in it for you, Jason? What's the gain? What's the reward you get? You can help change this country. You can help change this world. Where are the men, the real men? If I can do just a little bit, even if it's just a few guys, to spark something in them, to step up and man up, like I'm trying to do, And it helps them become godlier, more loving, like men of impact, men that share the gospel with lost people, better husbands, better dads, better friends, better pastors, youth pastors. Dude, that's what I want to do. That's the payoff for me. You know what? I'm going to close this episode with some former Navy SEAL, David Goggins. I don't agree with everything David Goggins has ever said, ever done. I've read his book. But you know what I do? I pick the flowers. I leave the weeds. Just like I told you guys I do with Michael Easter. I do know this about David Goggins. Unlike most... Pastors and teachers and Christian authors, unlike them, David Goggins pushes me to get out of my comfort zone. Big time. I hope this motivates you too. Roll the tape. I was sick and tired of not facing the fact that I've allowed life to make me feel like a loser. And a lot of us allow life to do that, and we accept it. And a lot of us talk about how we believe in God. We believe in something higher than us. If that is truth, you won't allow yourself to feel that way. A lot of people don't understand that. If you really believe, God did not put you on earth to be nothing. A lot of us like to visit a very uncomfortable world, like living with the seal. He visited for 30 days an uncomfortable world. That's my lifestyle. People ask me, so why do you still do this every day? I'm 43 years old, I did 21 years in the military, now I'm a firefighter. I'm a wildland firefighter. I don't need it, I'm good. Why do you still do this? You right now are a leader. You, sitting in this chair right now, to thousands, hundreds of thousands of people. That's why you do it. Why you get up at three, four, five, six o'clock in the morning, is because you are setting the example for others to follow. So 
people always go, what drives you now? What should drive you now is no more you. Like you said, I'm comfortable. I'm good. It's not about you. You have to change your mindset to God gave you everything you want. It's pay time. You got to now start paying bills for the yeah. people in your mindset. So you're suffering now. Like the people say, why do you get up at six o'clock in the morning? So then you can come in and set the example for everybody else. There's so many times in life you don't want to be doing what you're doing. You can't just quit. Remember this, it's in the hobby, it's in the joke, it's a lifestyle. So what you say to yourself is important. There's no coach, there's no trainer to keep you going, it's only you. So think about this, you've been working your whole life to get a seat at the table. To seat at the table is you want to be the best amongst all the best people in your career field. So you finally get that letter. It's steak, lobster, it's a big dinner. Everybody's showing up, dressed to the nines. Make sure you show up soaking wet for getting after it, working out hard. Towel on your neck. You respect the event. So make sure you put that towel over that nice chair. The whole thing is this. Don't say a word. Stay uncommon amongst uncommon people. You're never done. Don't stop when you're tired. Stop when you're done. Stay hard. Dude. I'm going outside right now to work out. <laughs> I'm going to go get some. I'm going to go get some. Oh, man. Woo! That's some good stuff right there, dude. You know it is. Yes, yes. Come on. Are you doing just enough to get by? To live the valley. Can't see you. Man, I used to be there too. You're afraid of what it takes to give it away. You're afraid of what it takes Give it away Like a title bell, devil wish you never dealt. You're afraid of what it takes to give it away. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Get some. I'm going nuts right now. I'm freaking going nuts right now. 